Welcome to Midpoint, OCC's midweek podcast aimed at helping you connect with last week's message and prepare you for next week's sermon. Let's dive in. Hello, OCC family, and welcome to Midpoint. This is our midweek podcast. Uh, Now, James, you had a really great message last week. You want to just give us a little short snippet of, of what that was? In as short a spot as I can, it was about struggling with our faith. It was about the fact that even Christ followers will have doubts. It doesn't make you an unbeliever. It makes you a person who is processing through and hopefully growing in your faith. Mm-hmm. Normally when you construct a sermon, there's, there's bits and pieces that you want to throw in, but you just don't have enough time. So was there anything that you would like to share with, with the church body that, that you would love to say, but you just didn't have time? Goodness, yes. This was one. This doesn't happen that often. I've I've done this enough, and God's gracious. I kind of know how many words I'm shooting for Mm -hmm. to have a message that'll land at around 38 minutes, and it's about 6,000 words. Is what I'm shooting for. And and so in this, I had a direction I felt like I was going, and I started writing, and I I felt, hey, I need to add something. And what I really added was that treatment of the problem of evil. I think a lot of people doubt God because evil exists. Mm-hmm. And so I started walking through that and I just started writing and I had a couple sources I really liked and I got done with the sermon and I was at 11,000 words. And so that's two sermons. <laughs> yeah. And I, so I cut a lot out of this one. Yeah. And honestly, I ended up cutting to the point where I really felt like I wasn't even super clear on Sunday. I had a couple points where I thought I, I kind of rushed through that or I, I went too big in the context. And so I pulled that back. That was rare, as you know. Mm-hmm. I pulled it back and said, hey, let's let's pull the, the sermon from our website and from Facebook and everything and, and do it again on Monday night because I just wanted to be clearer. So this one I did cut quite a bit. And, and a lot of it was about the treatment of evil. And some of it was, well, I, I cut the entire section that I originally started out with. I said some people, I think, have doubts about their faith because of the the tension that exists between predestination and free will. Mm-hmm. And so I started down that path and I was going yeah. to explain that. That's, well, a, then, that's a long, lengthy path. That would have been three sermons. <laughs> yeah. so, so I cut every bit of that and went to the evil and there was still too much. So yeah. there was quite a bit that came out of that one. That normally doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I, I'll often end up at 7,000 some odd words and go through and start cutting a few things. Normally I'll just cut a joke or I'll cut a story because mm-hmm. I hate to cut scripture. But this one I cut an extra sermon. Okay. Okay, we had some questions from the body, and so just, you know, we'll hit these as, as concise as we can, but we don't need to make it another sermon. Um, isn't it bad if I struggle with my faith and have doubts? Like, doesn't no. that prove that I don't trust God enough? I, I think that's no. a, a very common <laughs> belief that, that, you know, if we do doubt, somehow we're not Christian. And, and again, I, I think it couldn't be further from the truth, but you're 100% right. I think people struggle with that mm-hmm. mightily. Um my wife and I were having this conversation about, you know, people that we know and love who don't know Jesus and, and what do you do with that? And, and, you know, there's some passages that are just super, super hard to try and live. There's one out of Romans 8 where it says, you know, God works all things together for good for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. And there are situations where you look at, especially with people you love, especially with family, and you're like, well, how could that be good mm-hmm. if I have a family member who's not going to wind up in heaven? And there's no way for me to figure that out mm-hmm. on this side of heaven. I'm just not going to figure that out. And so th- there are, there are questions like that. And I think it'd be weird if those didn't cause you to have some doubts mm-hmm. and to dig into things. And, and so to me, again, you try to have scripture be your guide on all these things. There's lots of places in scripture where Jesus calls people out for their lack of faith. 
And many times it's his disciples. Mm -hmm. And if we're thinking those guys aren't Christ followers, we're reading this wrong. (laughs) Those guys are clearly believers. And so he's not saying, hey, you're an unbeliever because you lack faith. He's saying you have faith and it needs to grow. Mm -hmm. And I kind of think of it almost like the fruit of the Spirit. Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we see those things and we understand they are one singular fruit of the Spirit that all Christ followers have. But then we say goofy things like, well, I'm going to pray for patience. We already have patience. Mm-hmm. What you need is more patience. Yeah, I need to grow in that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that's the same way that I view faith there. But I do, I wish I could say this and it would take everybody off the hook. I know it doesn't. But if you struggle with your faith, that doesn't mean that you're not a Christ follower. It means I think you're like all Christ followers. There are things that are going to cause that crisis of faith I mentioned. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Get with people you know, love, talk through those things. But please don't think that that kicks you out of the club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and with that that shaking of the faith that you're supposed to grow in that and and learn and and, and not just kind of stop there, but keep keep, you know, diving into things and asking questions and talking to your pastors. And, you know, it's not that blind faith of just like, just believe and you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's a sense we're here still. We don't accept Christ and leave. We, we, we stay. And the whole idea then is if we want to pursue this path of sanctification, we're going to have to grow. Mm-hmm. If, if we want to become more Christ-like, we're going to have to grow. We can't stay as ourselves. Yeah. And for that, we need more faith. We need to increase in our faith. Trials are opportunities to do that. We just don't like them. But I don't, I don't know a better way. Mm-hmm. I, I've talked to so many people, and it, it's a struggle, and, and you feel for folks, and I don't want to try and make light of that in any way. But if you ask people when they grow the most in their faith, they always say trials. Mm-hmm. It's never when things are going real smooth, yeah. because then we have the tendency to pat ourselves on the back. We think we're great. Yeah. In the trials, we know we're in trouble, <laughs> and we know God is great. Yeah, and we yeah. have to lean on Him. And those are good lessons, but they're hard lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, you said forgiveness is the solution to all evil. Is that our forgiveness to others or God's forgiveness to us? Like, how does that? Well, yes. Okay. <laughs> that's got to be a both. Because, and honestly, that's one of the things for us as a church where we want people to be relationally connected. Then we're talking about both aspects of relationship. Mm-hmm. We need to have a relationship with God. That vertical relationship has to come first. Once we get that, as I said, we don't immediately go to heaven. We stay here. Yeah. And we get to practice it and develop it with others. And that's why the Bible is so huge on all the one another's. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things we're supposed to do in community, love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, pray for one another, encourage one another. I mean, I can't begin to touch all of them. Those are the things we do together. So forgiveness comes for us as the solution to the problem of evil. And then we get to go out and practice it. You, you've probably read through seminary or through other reading these stories of people who forgive folks in ridiculous, crazy situations. Yeah. Uh, I've read a story of a mother whose son was killed and she goes to the prison and meets mm-hmm. the guy. And, and I'm like, I don't think I've got it in me. Yeah. Thankfully, situations never happened to me, something like that. But could I go and forgive that person? Well, that's the call. Mm-hmm. That's what God is desiring for us. Yeah. How many of us have grown in our faith to that spot where we could do it? Yeah. So the forgiveness part of the two-way street, and I struggled even in the sermon because I didn't want to make it sound like, well, it's just that easy, just forgive. It, it's obviously not that easy. Yeah. That is one of those things where we can't lean on our own understanding. We're going to have to lean on God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you talked a lot about feelings and how you know they don't determine truth. Um, and I loved your, your joke. <laughs> but how should the Christian respond when they're not feeling close to God? Yeah. I think that's part of the struggle. And obviously, 
I think when that happens, we think we did something wrong or we accuse God of running from us. Again, I think the Bible addresses this, and, and not everybody has to be a Bible scholar and, and memorize, but, but to understand the themes, to understand, there's, there's a great passage in James, and, and it's so practical, and it says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Mm-hmm. That, that is more applicable than we think. If, if we're not feeling close to God, the passage says, draw near to God. Mm-hmm. Well, God's omnipresent. God's everywhere. And so if we don't feel close to God, what happened? We moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's us. It's yeah. not God. He's still there. So the draw near to God part is us. We need to draw near to him. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the, the idea in scripture is that we would abide in him anyway. We're supposed to be resting in him. So when we don't feel close to him, we're not doing that. I love the, the discussion of having a spiritual pathway. You know there's some way you're wired that that makes you feel close to God for you and I'm and, um, jealous. Of, I'm probably not supposed to be jealous, but, <laughs> but, but, but you have the ability to lead in worship and, mm-hmm. and I can't do that. And so when I see you do that, I love it. Not just because you're talented, not just because I like oh, your voice. <laughs> Heap praise on Britain. Um, no, it's not that. It's because of the, the, the spirit you have, the countenance you have. Yeah. And when I see you lead worship, you're, you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You're joyful. And that I think preaches and speaks as well as, well, he's really good at playing the guitar. I mm-hmm. like his voice. It's seeing you do that. Well, that's a spiritual pathway for you. That's the way God's wired you. Each of us has that, I think. And the idea is if you know what it is, spend a lot of time doing that. I'm a a nature, spiritual pathway person. Mm -hmm. I really feel close to God when I go out and sit by a fire. It's just kind of my thing. So I'll do that as much as I can. My wife came out there. I was sitting out. It was cool enough to really enjoy it the other night. And I was sitting out there and she came out and from the porch, she couldn't even see the fire was still going. She's like, why are you still out there? The fire's out. <laughs> like The fire is still going still and going. I'm, sta- <laughs> I'm staying until it's done. I'm not adding any more wood, but I'm staying. <laughs> that, that's kind of the thing. If okay. you know that, that's part of draw near to God. Just yeah. do that. Yeah. I, I make it sound so simple. We, there's a tyranny of the urgent. We get cluttered with the, the day in, day out things and we forget to do those things. And that's when we grumble. Well, I don't feel close to God. Mm-hmm. Go find that thing that you're wired to do and do that. And I think you will draw near to God in yeah. that. I like this. This is good. <laughs> this is so fun. <laughs> this um, is honestly really, really helpful. This is great. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you have any other comments or anything you wanted to, to clarify or even just expound a little bit more on or even just just tail end of, of the message no I, the the reality of trying to address in the the context of the passage in luke 24 it's the disciples doubting jesus's resurrection mm-hmm. which was not new news we knew already they were going to struggle with that but it's just the idea that jesus addressed it mm-hmm. he shows up peace be with you they were not peaceful whatsoever yeah. and then he immediately says why do you have doubts and i think that's a great question for all of us to ask why do we have doubts we need, then we have to start taking our own inventory. Well, I, I've got mm-hmm. to ask why I have doubts in this area. But, but that's the, the issue. I think almost everybody has them. I really probably should say, I think everybody yeah. has them. Yeah. And so with that, I don't think we need to elevate that to, well, I have doubts, so I'm a bad Christian. I bet Brenton doesn't have doubts. And we start playing that comparison game. Mm-hmm. And that's just such a silly game. There, yeah. there's, there's no winner in that whatsoever. Yeah. Instead, say, I have doubts in this area. I have God's word right in front of me that I could look in and I bet I'll find an answer. If I can't find the answer, I'd go sit and talk with Brenton. I'd mm-hmm. go sit and talk with James, Wesley, mm-hmm. Andrew, Forrest, anybody, Erlene. I, I can yeah. find somebody yeah. and talk to them and they'll kind of help me. And and then I don't have to struggle with that. I'll find something else to struggle with because I'm a fallen person. This is a fallen world, but I don't yeah. have to struggle with that particular thing. But we make it immediately. And again, this is part of our fallen nature. This is part of having a real enemy. 
I know there are a bunch of areas where Satan doesn't even have to worry about me because I stand in my own way. But there are areas where Satan goes, well, I think he's going to be insecure about that. I'll pick at that thing. Mm-hmm. And that's where the doubts arise. And, and we do. We tell ourselves, well, I must be, whether we say I'm an unbeliever, I must certainly be the least of all Christians, right? Mm-hmm. Because I struggle with this. I bet nobody else struggles with this. Go sit and talk with somebody. They do too. Yeah. They, yeah. they may not struggle with the exact same thing you do, but they're struggling with something. And you guys might be able to encourage one another. Yeah. And then you're in it. You're doing the relationship thing. So. Yeah. There's a, there's a thing that um, Erlene always says is that, you know, Satan doesn't have any new tricks. And so, you know, it's, whatever, it's true. Yeah. whatever you're struggling with, chances are somebody else is struggling with something very similar, yeah. if not the exact same thing, yeah. because, you know, yeah. All right. Now's the time where we, we're going to look forward to next week. So we're going to read next week's passage and then give us a, a, something we can do or something we can be praying for, or even just another section of scripture that we can dive into so we can prepare for next week. Yeah. This is where we're going in the text. And this is, to me, one of the beautiful things of studying the Bible the way we do. We go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We catch everything in context. This is immediately after Jesus in the room with the disciples and, and their struggles with doubt. It starts in verse uh, 44 of Luke 24. Now, Jesus said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. The only place where he breaks down the Old Testament into those three sections, I think that's so neat. It says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. He says, You're witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, and you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. If we remember what happens in the Acts of the Apostles, Jesus shows up and, and he says mm-hmm. they receive power when the Spirit comes upon them. And so that's going to be a neat thing. But but the big takeaway for me there, at least where I'm starting and trying to, to craft a message for this next week, and God's leading me to talk about repentance, because he says that's the thing you're going to preach, is repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And repentance is such a loaded word. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we hear that word and we think of the guy with the sandwich board at the Mariners game screaming through the bullhorn, repent for the end is near, yeah. and, and we just get turned off immediately. And that's not the, the real picture of repentance. Because repentance is what we see in Scripture. It's, it's when we change our mind about who Jesus is. And that change of mind, it it's, can't stop there, actually changes the way we live. It results in a change in our actions. So we'll spend a good bit of time talking about repentance, I'm sure. Thanks so much, James. Appreciate the time. This was wonderful. I really look forward to us do, having the opportunity to do this kind of midweek for this midpoint. And, and this has been great. Thank you, Brandon.